the event of, for me, has been like gratitude for something that you already have or that you know that could come to you if you would s- sacrifice something of your own selfish possibly i thought okay if i if i really put my heart into it which means soul fasting definition giving up something that you know you want you know you love it's going to be hard, but you're going to have to do it. And it's not something someone's telling you to do. It's not to lose weight. It's really just to like put your mind into a discipline. You're listening to the Wise Women Podcast, Season 4, Episode 126. I'm your host, Alicia Wilford, founder of Yoke and Abundance, leadership coaching for entrepreneurs, creatives, and seekers. This podcast is designed to inspire by introducing you to creatives, living abundantly. In today's episode, I'm sharing my conversation with Rena Sukadia about life before and after personal tragedy. Welcome back everyone. On the show today, I am sharing an intense personal life story from my friend Rena Sukadia. Rena and I both hope that this will be part one of a longer mini-series about her life and her experiences here at Yoke and Abundance. As you listen, we'd both love for you to kind of jot down your questions because we're going to want to know what those are as we get ready to record future episodes of this intimate personal life story. Not only do we need your questions, we're also looking for future sponsors for this podcast to help us continue telling Rena's story. But before we dive into today's show, I want to say a great big thank you to our always generous sponsor, Fike & Co. Fike & Co. is a progressive boutique consulting firm that works with entrepreneurs, startups, small to medium-sized companies, and larger organizations to cultivate a place where people love coming to work. With the focus foremost on diversity, inclusion, belonging, and equality, Fike & Co. pushes business leaders to push the boundaries of what a great workplace environment means and is for all of their employees. If you are starting from scratch with a small team or if you're looking to grow your current team, Fike & Co. can help to scale your business in a way that both adds to the bottom line while also boosting engagement. From talent acquisition, onboarding, and compensation to HR, compliance, performance management, and employee relations, Fike & Co. has worked with more than 50 companies across the country and worldwide in various stages of growth. If you're looking for strategic guidance on people programs or interim people leadership, contact Viking Co. Your people will thank you. Now, on to today's show. Rena Sukadia. Alicia. <laughs> I am so excited to have you on the podcast. This is long overdue. Oh, is yeah. this our second or third try? I mean, just saying. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe. But we've been talking about it for even longer, so I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. Um, This is going to be fun. So, Rena. Yes, ma'am. Can you tell folks who you are? Mm -hmm. I can tell you what I know of myself so far. Um, The most important thing that I know of myself right now is that I plan to always have lived by the most true part of me, which is to leave people better than I found them, or really anything for that matter, if at all possible, if it's in my control. Mm. Doing the right thing when no one's looking never saying anything i mean not one thing you do not mean i mean you no. just gave me some big eyes i that, wish that folks could have seen like that. i don't even know if i can like veer from it that's just like mm. i don't even know that's a hard one for me like just 
filter it, please. Okay. Just, yeah, because I can't unhear. We definitely can't unsee. Yeah, no matter what disability you may have, you cannot unsee something. Yeah. Rena, where are you from? Wow, well. <laughs> There's people that say, where are you from from? <laughs> I love God, that what one. a question. Like, uh, well, that part, um, well, it's all relative, I guess. But it I is. am from, my family's origination is from India, Gujarat. I have lived a little bit of a lot of places, so I'll say right now I live in North Carolina, but we've lived a little bit from, born in Canada, let's start there. What part of Canada were you born in? Toronto. Toronto, okay, mm -hmm. yep. And then you lived in Ohio for then a little bit? Then we moved from Toronto to Ohio. Which, I'm from Ohio. I know. Woo -woo. Yeah, I Go know. Buckeyes. I know, right. Except I didn't know anything about um, Ohio at all. Except my little world that was had no nobody, no humans around except for land mm. for a long, long, long ways. Because it was Mount Gilead, which you've never heard of. I Ohio. Heard okay. of Mount Gilead. Okay. Okay. So there's that. And then But it's close to Ohio Columbus? It is. Okay. Isn't yeah. everything though? I mean everything's relative. in relation to Columbus. That was our going into town days. We're going into town, we're going to Columbus, Ohio. So then I moved from there to Indianapolis and Indianapolis to North Carolina. And then all around North Carolina, different parts. Uh, well, except for the parts I really wanted to go to, which is mostly the mountains. Mm. Second choice would be the coast, but not just the coast, but like only probably Wilmington, which is my favorite beach. Mm, I love Wilmington. Really. And Wrightsville, which is kind of the same, but there's just, it's gotten... It's gotten more so the mountains forever, you know, so. So, Rena, one of the things that I love about you <laughs> is something that you and I have in common, mm. our love of dance. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Can I just say, I didn't really know how much I love dance. I think it sort of was this evolution of romance, but there was one vivid, specific time I remember being like, yep. It's really, really what I want. Mm, okay, so how did you come to take dance classes? <sighs> okay, well, it was very much so a begging sort of situation. I really, really, really wanted a class. I was thinking, I mean, I probably started in begging around. <laughs> Sixth grade was my first time remembering mm. to beg, but we would always have these little community events the Indian brown people of the North Carolina area, which is not very many of us at the time, Indian brown people, the Gujarat Indian, like those Indians. Okay, just saying. So I would have those dance little community events and I loved them because it was my chance to like, you know, maybe we always, some of the girls, like the older ones or younger ones, we'd always like, submit something we wanted to do for the I mean this is like Diwali and things are like the Indian New mm. Year or the you know whatever and so I always loved that and I knew I really loved it but I never took formal classes and so I mm. finally got it for my birthday on the I believe it was seventh grade maybe but I formally started taking Bharatnatyam dance lessons which was by a beautiful guru g in greensboro guru g and that means teacher right yes of so many things still to this day and she was the only um i'd say classical well classical indian dance teacher in the area at the time so her name was vina argre and she was she was pretty rough and what does that mean? Well, pretty rough. For me, like being the kind of person I am was, I think I've been the same sort of person, by the way, maybe in my brain since like six years old. Mm. Significant. Literally. Okay. So anyway, so she, yeah, she, she was the kind of woman that was, she expected things a lot mm. and in a very respectful way, but she was not messing around. 
It was, it was in her garage. That was her dance floor. You got there on time. You did not, just because it was her home, you did not go inside of the house and get water and no crazy bathroom breaks. It was serious business. And I loved it because mm. it was, I was just loved that space of just like forcing my body in ways I'd been waiting for so long for. But I did get that as a gift for my birthday and remember being so thankful, but I was only allowed to take Indian dance classes. Like you couldn't take jazz, not you couldn't allowed, take ballet. Was not happening. Don't ask. And I think a lot of it had to do with me being just, well, I was just different with my family and my family. I was just different. And I didn't, I was open to so many things with that, just artistically and a sort of wasn't quite mainstream and my mom and dad were even though even then they weren't the traditional you know traditional enough where they felt like and I'm glad they did intrinsically make sure that that was the core of our development always throughout life and so traditional Indian values yes, yes. and like yes and yeah so your parents did value that and oh, make sure gosh. that was important mm -hmm. and um, yeah woven throughout your childhood yes. and life like going back to where are you from from do you know mm -hmm. that i don't know how long people say where are you from i'm like i'm from india i didn't know that there was a difference between i wasn't born in india but i was born in i thought what was india because at home that was it was world. india yeah like i didn't know that there was a oh i am born in toronto but yeah, oh, Canada, oh, oh India, whatever. <laughs> There's that. Okay. So just clarity, yes, very much so. That makes sense. So you have this traditional dance background. What what do we need to know about Indian dance? Okay, classical Indian dance, there is a difference. There's folk. And Besides, like, like, would folk be what we see on, like, like... like yeah, I think folk even was different for me back then. <laughs> back then in the olden days, I felt <laughs> that um, folk dance to me was still traditional, but it was like it was more regional, like where you were from, parts of India. There's there's Bhangra, which is like, and there's like from Punjab, and then there's um, Garba, which is a more folk sort of traditional dance where in Gujarat and those parts of India. So I think that there is that. And then classical Indian dance, which is very much uh, technical. Okay. It is much more based. In, it is a passed down from temples from I don't know how many and more thousands of years ago. And it is all developed, but still the same core completely. I mean, almost down to the everything the rhythm everything it's the it's like ballet except there's no there's no veering from that it's mm. it's beautiful it's very very hard to it's very physically demanding to perform but very it is focused on mudras which is the hand gestures um it's all very so so technical that it's the way you actually sit would be a what would be oh, in ballet like a plie, so your mm -hmm. knees are bent, your feet are, your body almost stays completely still, mm -hmm. upper body, I'd say like your back, um, arms are usually, arms are very much important, elbows already out. It's almost like it probably built my entire posture and, uh, yeah, strength. Like you probably, how you move now even, probably was influenced by that yes. training yeah i mean if you weren't saying if you were not half sitting down which by the way vinanti would teach from a sitting down position with her hands because that's how much work her knees had had over the years wow right she had a wooden um dowel stick and a block and i would never forget the sound of it and that would be your rhythm and you better be on point wow yeah and you're flat-footed and when you perform, you wear with bells and very, very On large, your fingers? Um, on your ankles. So oh. very, very large, heavy bells, which I have hanging up there in the living room. Oh, cool. However, those bells, if you make a mistake, you're going to like, no. So you might need to be 
extra. Rhythm, rhythm is extremely important. Yeah, I would have trouble with that. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> no, I miss it. I miss it so, so very much. So, Rena, what did you do after high school and college? What was mm. your work? Oh, well, I feel like I've had a few lives. First, I accidentally, because I didn't, everyone didn't know what you do. What is human development? Mm. Well, what is that? Um, and I didn't really quite know. I think I remember even someone in class saying, well, I'm graduating class, like, what, so what do you do with this profession? And I'm so glad, or this degree, I'm so glad I had that. It was first off, fell into mental, working in mental health. Um, it was a, it was an actual an agency where we were family-based, intensive in-home, mm. uh, what they considered counseling back then or like the terminology. And so family service coordinator, actually, now that I'm remembering. So that was that. I did that for several years. So sort of accidentally fell in this mental health track. Mm. And then, um, and from there, always, I enjoyed it. It was really difficult work because it was in the home. And of course, me being right out of college, I mean, a lot of parents, middle-aged or not, would be like, okay, well, (laughs) You're really young, and I don't know. And it was a lot against. Were you me working with kids, or were you working with it was, adults? Who so were you clients with? were the kids were the client, um, or the families, and the families ended up being sort of the surrounding. So it was families, but centered around children. My degree was human development, family studies, with a concentration in family studies. Mm. Um, and so it wasn't like child adolescent development, but I felt very much comfortable and enjoyed it. But my population, that we, I, it was a very difficult, challenging population. Ended up being at one point, I worked with the with drug courts. It was um, children in the court unit, and it was their families. So that would be sort of you're going into their homes, um, trying to what was is now kind of coming back to that is keeping children in the home, mm, keeping families mm. cohesive and together, together. instead of. Um, placing them, which was the ultimate, that's what you were avoiding, but it happened at times. So got very much so, I think, discouraged more so just, I felt like I was kind of hitting my ceiling with it. Mm -hmm. Decided to go to graduate school and was so excited. Left everything for it, work, everything, life, and, and thought this would be it. And so I wanted to have my own practice and as an LPC and realized through that program, I really, really loved healing people and doing work that was more intrinsic, but not so much clinical, like scientific. Mm, And I thought the program would be different. Um, But it taught me a lot of things, which is that therapists should have therapists and they will. And everyone should have a therapist and that you should should shop for a therapist for at least longer than you would shop for a car. Or a pair of shoes. And a pair of shoes. But that was what I did. So then I went to graduate school, decided, hmm, I don't know, not so much. So I accidentally fell into the most, to me, relaxing, mindless job, which was a property manager. Oh my goodness. Right? I know. But why? Because I wanted to deal with people that were happy wanting to move in, move on with their life, kind of is symbolic in some ways now, and blow up balloons and make cookies. Because that's what you do at all clubhouses, you know that. That sounds like so much fun. I know, I mean. Rena, when did you come up with the term soul fasting? <sighs> Around this time. Okay, so t- talk to me about, this is something that you've kind of just come up with. Mm-hmm. What is soul fasting? And I don't, you know. How do we need it? How do we know we need it? Okay, so you know you need it when you're blowing up balloons and making cookies, and you realize that there is a lot more deep things that you are going to now prepare yourself for because your brain has had a, a a brainless moment. So I fell into working with Aveda, which is um, natural Ayurvedic mind, I guess for me, um, skin, body, hair. At this time, when I accidentally fell into this as a property manager on the side, realized that there was this amazing, just ahead of its time, progressive industry that is also based in beauty, however, deeply 
more holistic and I thought that's a fun way to heal people mm. on the side when I was doing this as like a part-time job um, I found mentors that were wanting to move me forward and at the same time had decided I was going to perform in my a brother's dance. yes okay the dance which I remember being the most significant the dance okay talk to me about that what is the dance the dance I would say is the, there's two, but the very, very final moment of me realizing that, like, I'm almost obsessed with the feeling of dance, not necessarily what it looks like, is what I've felt. So while I was working as a property manager, I, my brother was getting married, 2007-ish. All right. I don't know. Something like that. And I, he lives in California. He's in L.A. And I, I think San Francisco, maybe even at the time, and I went to see him. And I decided that this is something I really wanted to do for his wedding. And I asked him and his soon-to-be wife, Neelanjana Banerjee, if they would like for me to perform at the wedding. And it was a go. And at this time, I decided that the only way I was going to be able to perform this dance that I have been infatuated with, like, no lie. Your whole life. Uh, really, like, yeah. my whole life, even before I was allowed to take Indian dance classes, which is why I was, like, totally fine with just taking those, was going to be if I soul fasted. And I didn't know why I called oh, it Oh, I that just until. got chills. I know, it's a whole circle. I mean... So I, yeah, I, I, Vina, Vinanti, and that's what I always called her, Vinanti, I had probably requested if I could learn this one dance, please, 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 for so many, long before I ever started her classes, because she would teach folk dances, by the mm. way, on the side. Okay. Separately, I thought, okay, if I, if I really put my heart into it, which means soul fasting, definition, side note giving up something that you know you want, you know you love, it's gonna be hard, but you're gonna have to do it. And it's not something someone's telling you to do. It's not to lose weight. It's really just to like put your mind into a discipline. Do you feel like soul fasting is, it's a preparation for a big spiritual yes. event. Mm -hmm. Or um, the event of, for me, has been like gratitude mm. for something that you already have or that you know that could come to you if you would s sacrifice something of your own selfish, possibly, needs to invite different or better things into your So soul space. fasting is about gratitude it's about deep preparation. Mm -hmm. It's about the act of maybe um, shaking up what's automatic yeah. in order to, I guess from a neurological standpoint, change the neural pathways in order to be present for what's arising and what's coming up so that you can be like heightened intentionality. Except the only thing I'd add to that uh -huh. is calling it into you because you may not have that yet. Like. If I didn't do this, I was going to ask Minanti one more time if she would please help me mm. choreograph some of this piece I wanted to perform at my brother's wedding. If I really gave up the things I liked, which at a clubhouse, blowing up balloons, right, and making cookies, would be sweets and soda. Oh. Mm, I know. Mm. There's nothing better, by the way, than taking a really, really good swallow of Coke in the middle of the night when you just need a fix. <laughs> just saying. Not necessarily from the bottle, maybe. Mm. But that is why I was like, I got to give this up. And when I did, I thought, if I really give this up, I'm going to dedicate time to really focus and discipline my body and mind to call it into my space mm. and really be able to enjoy it yeah because i was grateful um grateful that i'd be able to perform our brother's wedding because i really really knew i i really needed that for mm -hmm. a lot of reasons it was sort of my gift to being able to 
spend time working on something that mattered for him, myself, for my, you know, my passion, which was also in addition to the people I met around mm. that time. So yeah, I did it. And she said, yes. How long did you soul fast before you asked The entire time. Uh, well, I decided I was going to do it long before. Well, I didn't. That's, I'd say like, hmm, it was at least like a couple weeks because I knew that I wanted to do this. And I also thought, let me just see how, um, how far, like I really felt that this was something I needed to also prepare my body for. Mm-hmm. Um, I had other things I wanted to do. Like I wanted a dance space. So I had to go figure out where I was going to be able to do that alone because you shouldn't only do that in classes and I really didn't want a class I just needed space to move mm-hmm. so all those things happened um she said yes and that was the beginning of that wow and then I did that several times around my life I think since then like a couple of times significant times I remember so what were some other forms of soul fast, some other forms that soul fasting took in your life? Okay. Um, I felt the last time I remember significantly doing this was when so many positive things had come into my life at one time. Uh, a new job offer, which by the way, another part after Veda was, um, or the beauty industry period was um, my father and working with him at Northwestern Mutual as a financial advisor, sort of under his wing and with him. So there was a time frame as these things were all evolving, like I had been gifted things I felt Mm. that I needed to be really thankful for. And that wasn't necessarily a time where I was like, I need to do this because I want something for me. I felt like I needed to sort of give back and purge something that I had been given, maybe gifted that I didn't necessarily work for, Mm. that had fallen into my lap. So that was... The last time I feel like I did the significant soul fasting, which also when I decided was going to be when I became a vegetarian again mm. um, at another point in my life. And my parents were extremely happy about that. <laughs> I bet they were. <laughs> it was the favorite. <laughs> um, and it was just cute. But, Is it you know. a part of Hindu to be vegetarian? Um, I think, so. um, yeah, I think certain parts of, well, I know certain parts of India Definitely are. Um, I my my mom and dad have always been. I don't. I mean, to always been very much, and like that was just normal. But I never missed meat because, you know, Indian food is just well, it's good. It's really good, and so you don't miss it. But yes, that is something that's important. And so, and I, you know, going to school and growing up and just whatever that was. I never had cooked in meat or anything mm. like that. Anything I had learned, I learned on my own because that was not happening in our house, Indian house. That makes so much sense yeah. to me. Yeah. So that was a big one for me, actually, because uh, it was a life change experience. I was working. I was on the road a lot for Aveda. I mean, a lot. And I felt like it was, you know, it's just hard to be, unfortunately, healthy, like as mm. healthy as like, you want to be um, just living on the road. Which was So that was a that lot was of time. That was a big one. Yeah. And when I did that, by the way, beautiful things had happened in my life. So. That was so fasting. Wow. I love that concept. And I'd never heard. I love the concept of like letting something go intentionally to call something else in or yeah. to prepare yeah. for that. But I've yeah. never heard anyone use that term. Soul fasting. You know how I feel, though? This is how I am. Another reason. And this is who I really think, aside from the couple things I said in the beginning, that uh, I feel like. I've been so lucky in life. Like, Mm. I really feel like I've had a great, I've just, everything. I don't remember horrible, horrible things. I've been, like, things have good, things have fallen in my lap. I'm very fortunate. So I do too. I like the idea of that. And plus, I really love those kind of challenges in my own life. I've never had someone tell me, like, by the way, giving up meat was also that, like, when you don't have meat all your life and you're like, Sounds crazy, but it just became a community. I was like, this is going to be really hard. And I knew before I even thought, I'm like, I should really sell fast. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. I know what I'm going to have to do. <laughs> oh, God. And I just knew. I knew. I was like, that's going to be what I have to do. Wow. But when I did it, by the way, I stayed vegetarian for a very long time. I, I um, had, like, only committed, I think, a year. And I was like, okay. And then it just stuck for 
quite some time stuck for a minute. Well, I I love how you talk about your gratitude for the life you live. Mm -hmm. Can we segue into something a little harder? Mm -hmm. So 2019, 2019. you and I had both had a rough year in 2019. Yes. Oh, and I learned that just like recently because I didn't know of you later. Yeah, I'm going to share with um, folks now a little bit about how you and I met. Mm -hmm. Um. And I might get a little teary-eyed. I love me already. Ooh. Um, I like so this story already. I, I love this story. I haven't heard I love all. parts of this story. I don't even think I've seen you talk like this. Um, you and I, I, when I started Yoke and Abundance, when Full Force was doing wise women panels, and I would have women come together and um, just talk about their life experiences because I really, the whole reason this podcast is, exists is because I believe that all of us have wisdom inside and women often get shut down for sharing their wisdom. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that there is a place where it is safe and valued and celebrated to share wise words. And so that's what the wise women panels, that's mm -hmm. what they were all about. And um, and I am not an event planner. And so by the end, before COVID, by the end of that, I was like so exhausted, but I would give anything to do an in-person wise woman panel right now. Oh, yeah, um, right. But your sister came to one of my panels and did you ever come to a panel? No, I did not. And I'm, yeah, I don't, I did not. But I remember her being like, Mina, you don't understand this woman. You have to go see her. She's amazing. And of course, naturally you have been and were, but I, I did not. And she's from, you know, she'd come back from LA and I was like, well, if she knows and she's in Durham, like, how does she know? Wow. But yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so you and I did like a discovery call, but for some reason we met in per person. <laughs> it kind of just not enough. At a Vidi Por, at Vida Porti. And I, it was a Monday and I know it was a Monday because we got there and it was closed. Oh, and they're not that's open. That's funny. I wonder why we sat outside. Now I'm thinking about it. Sat outside, <laughs> and um, and we ended up talking. And it wasn't a situation where it wasn't like I think I knew instantly that you weren't supposed to be a client. I knew instantly that you were way out of my league. I knew that. Oh, I don't know about that. I did, um, I but did. we ended up just like shooting the shit for an hour, we right? Did. And yeah. um, and I remember thinking, God, she is so effing cool, like. I don't, I don't know. We just, I figured that we would be hanging out in some sort. I never knew this of you. So this was, I think this was a conversation either late 2018, early 2019. Oh, yeah. I don't know For which. sure, because I was just deciding on Northwestern yeah, Mutual you, or becoming Whether or not you coach. were going to work with your dad. Yes, That was exactly. kind of what we were talking yeah. about. What should I do? And, and I Oh, man. And then, um, and then fast forward, my life got crazy because my father passed away. And, um, and then do you want to tell us what happened in your life? Why don't you tell me really fast what you, how you mm. found out what happened? Mm. I don't think I know this. Well, <laughs> you are not on social media. You're not really, I mean, At you all. kind of have an Instagram account now, which we can that link was people like to so, that. But, so, but yeah, you, you weren't on Facebook. You were not on, not even really on anything. Anything but, except YouTube, where my brother's dance. Okay, it. so your dance is on YouTube. That's it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we've come that far. We will link to your dance Thank uh, you. on on the show notes oh, for this podcast, fine. so that folks can go take a look at mm -hmm. that. But um, I got an email from a GoFundMe account that said that you had been in a major car accident and that you were gonna need really a lot of long-term care. I didn't know that. I'm not told one person directly that I had a, I've been in a car accident, like called them to tell them that. Yeah, I mean, I think it was the GoFundMe email that your brother sent out. Wow. And I thought, and 
and I've shared this with you and I'm, I think you'd be okay with me sharing it on the podcast. Um, but I remember thinking, fuck, like, I can't go be that weird fucker now that's like, let's be best friends <laughs> because like it would just be weird. <laughs> just wait like a year and a half. I'm like, hey, by the way, <laughs> I love it. It's like, can we go out? <laughs> One of those, like, can we, can, is it okay if I ask you out? I so I that. kind of like from a distance followed your story, but I was also in like the throes of, mm. of my own grief yeah. and, um, yeah. And, and was holding space for myself to kind of fall apart in my own yeah. way. And so I thought, mm, I don't know what I thought other than like, I'm going to loosely pay attention to what's happening here. Wow. Yeah. Meanwhile, my life is super in color, hyper-focused, and way too fast. But so June 30th of 2019, sunniest day that I remember last, walking. Mm. I was on my way um, to a work event, and it was at Lake Norman, which is going towards Charlotte, North Carolina. A drive I had done I don't know how many times, because for Aveda, my territory started in Charlotte, which is about an hour and 15 minutes from where I lived. And so that was my entire territory, Charlotte to Lake, South Carolina. Mm. Clemson, actually, very long drive. Love the road, never ever. I actually, ugh, mm, driving's therapeutic, and I mean that in current and past tense. So, yeah, I thought about how I've thought back on this the night before the accident. I really out loud said, I feel like something bad's gonna happen to me. Mm, you do. I, yeah, it was odd. Mm. And then the thing is, I also didn't think anything of it. Um, got up that morning. And because it was going to be on a lake, it's sort of like this, you know, um, team building slash just get out of the office and learn about other advisors that were, you know, just kind of getting more motivation, just, you know, inspiration, whatnot. I didn't know what to wear because it's a Sunday. What am I supposed to do? Okay, do you wear? Okay, I remember physically thinking to myself, I should wear shorts, uh, something comfortable. It was very hot out. Uh, and then also have like something to change into because this was going to be like a long day. This was a Sunday going to an hour almost away and I was trying to be prepared. I also had at the time a, rented a truck from Enterprise. It was the last thing they had on the lot. It was a blue, very blue Ford Ranger. Mm. It was very tall. I'm not... And I was, I had, and because I don't know why, I used to drive with everything with me, like oddly, like all my heels and things were in the back. And like, I had, like it was almost like an extension of my purse, terrible, not a good idea, but I had everything with me. So that morning I had the option of like, should I take this truck? I think it's fine. I don't think why not. And I took um, that with me instead of possibly another, my, another vehicle. A smaller vehicle. A smaller vehicle. Um, this truck had like a foot plate where you actually get into the truck. It was not necessary, but it's all I had. So I drove on my way to getting on the um, exit to get onto that Highway 77. I was no music actually at this point. I have no phone with me. I mean, on me. I wasn't distracted at all. In fact, I don't know how I am so hyper aware of that day because I did not actually feel anything odd. But I do remember feeling very pretty that day mm. because it was warm. And well, I was like, oh, I can wear flip-flops. Well, work And around. you are really pretty, so. Well, I mean, stop, okay, but no. <laughs> you know, that's another thing, by the way. I never, ever, I did not grow up. I had really bad teeth, like crooked crooked teeth and I never had like this high self-esteem about myself and never looked at myself as like oh, I'm something oh ever. Rena, you are something well I'm trying to be somebody <laughs> today especially but thank you 
I remember that day being like, okay, so let me get there. And I wasn't 100% just excited about it being a Sunday, but I know that I was on time. And I was about 15, 20 minutes away, got onto the exit. And as I was merging on, I mean, barely because, yeah, it feels like just, it was just, it felt like an endless road actually in that moment after this started happening. But to my left was this little tiny truck, also a truck, but didn't seem very big compared to mine. And what I learned later had a 10 foot trailer hitched to it. Oh. And also this gentleman was escaping a hit and run. So this smaller truck next to you yeah, on my with left a 10 foot trailer yeah. on it is this yeah. unbeknownst to you is escaping. He just hit someone else and ran. This is what I've known. Okay. So as this is going on, uh, all I'm thinking about is that guy's tire is smoking. It was like kind of a white pink smoke. And I remember thinking, as I always had, I had driven 50,000 miles a year at some points with the Vedas. Mm. This was not like a, oh my God, I just, it was natural. Right, you've seen I, you things You get ahead of road. things, by the way, side note, always get ahead of things. Don't slow down behind something like that. I mean, get in front of I that. always known this. So I started to speed up just a touch to get ahead. Mind you, still trying to just merge because there's ridiculous, for some reason, amount of challenges to my left that day and he impacted me before I could think about it twice and he impacted your car twice. yes no before I could think oh. about it twice well I'm sure more than that more than <laughs> twice he did but from what um happened was he impacted my vehicle I was on the driver's side and landed upside down after flipping several times in the ravines of some part of the mm. bridge that um well, you know there's an the overpass and then there's just a lot of land there so um yeah I, I landed upside down and didn't know actually what position I was in except I remember the whole entire thing actually as this was happening I remember telling myself this one's gonna be bad right now and this was just and then I thought immediately after that, like, I wish this would stop flipping. Just stop, just stop. And then it Because the car kept flipping. It kept flipping. It was like a laundry dryer because the suspension in a truck, that's that unnecessary. And actually that lightweight, if you think about it, like, it's not like this. It wasn't a massive, huge truck. It just, so it was just like literally bouncing. And though when it stopped, it was the most piercing silence. I was not crying and screaming. Um, I remember thinking, not today, not today, not today. This wasn't supposed to happen today. I was almost there. I remember thinking, like, what? Like, it was such an inconvenience. <laughs> and then, um, so, um, I remember feeling a lot of like pain, but not so much I couldn't reach or do anything. So I go to kick the door out and realize I can't feel my legs. Mm. And then I just had to wait because somebody had to find me. And so what felt like forever um, ended up being a woman. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I do have those still. Um, she opened the door and she said, can I help you? Can I help you? I said, no, please call the paramedics. Do not move me. Um, I need you to dial two numbers. And I told them first my mom and dad's phone number and told them they're going to have to call back twice because my mom's going to think it's a telemarketer and she's going to hang up, which she did. And then, this is how with it I was. And then the second number was the love of my life for 12 years. Do you want to give a little background about this? He was the ultimate passion that's on my face during the dance. If you ever tune into that YouTube, you'll know the moment. Like, he was... 
who you were he, thinking he was of. i thought of every time i practiced that dance no one ever knew by the way what dance that was going to be i probably i probably tried to choreograph that i'd worked on that for almost six or so months i have so fast by the way those so that's their sweets that whole time anyways back to the story i called out his name and his phone number and I knew he would answer. He always answers, which is kind of interesting because I Most don't, people don't answer. I, mean, I don't answer if I don't know I a number. Know, no, but I knew that he, I had just left his home. By the way, um, my mom and dad had not known that I had stayed with him. Did your mom and dad know you were? They did not quite. Um, they knew of my, my thread of love for dale i call him dale his name is elvis that is his real name um i love his real name he does not i think he has now grown into this anyway separately um yes yeah, so they did not know i was seeing him at the time when i was because i started at the point probably about a month before this accident where i'd finally decided over the years and on and off of like trying to convince and argue and fight and trying to like understand which one to choose. Is it my family or my my mom and dad and their values and what they think? Or was it going to be this like at least this this, this draw, this draw, magnetic, super. So I want to make sure that those listening kind of understand what you're saying. You have this relationship in your life that's really important to you. And up and up to this point in your life, it wasn't really an okay relationship mm-hmm. from what your family had hoped for you. Yeah. Yeah. My parents, especially my my father, who um, has always taught us about, I mean, there were traditional values that just did not feel right to them so yes i had to there's so much i mean they maybe met him three or four times in their time of knowing him and his connection to me for that many years and i understood the crazy thing is actually he understood he had Mm. such a respect for them that also and he is a father and was at the time understood that if this was his daughter, he could see why they would be so protective. And they were. And he also respected me enough to know that I needed to do the right thing. He never forced me to stay. I just kept yeah. I kept going back. Because he was the love of your life. He was the love of my life. Mistakes and all. Like all of it. Mm. Just like I took it all. And I think that my background in human development and family studies helped me um, was possibly the foundation of how I was going to prepare to be with such an, in my eyes, was an enigma. Because he, if you think I'm something, like he's a story. Anyway, so I called out these two numbers. And I'd say at this point, which was like 10.30 a.m. on June 30th, 2019 went from a complete stranger to my mom and dad um, and went in straight into like the apple of their eyes by about 2 p.m. that day because they watched him. Dale. They watched Dale love me while I couldn't love him back after the ICU and during like the time of the most catastrophic hours I'll ever have known. And I remember all of it. So paramedics came. Um, and they all met. They I literally thought to myself, they're just gonna have to figure it out at the hospital. Like I just I know that I need both of them there and Dale was going to take care of me. He was that kind of man. He will fix it, he will show up and he will heal it and it'll be done. So, like, the safety blanket always. And my mom and dad were such important. Like, they were just, I was the one that was here in North Carolina while my brother and sister 
you know, we're in LA and I took care of the things, the doctor's appointments, the, all of it, the taking, I was that one, I was going to be that one. And so like, it all just shifted and I didn't even know what was wrong, except I needed the doctors to fix it. I mean, going to the hospital. Of course, that's what we're taught, right? That's what they, that's what happens. You go to the hospital magically. And in that process, when the paramedics like cutting me out, I remember all of it, the sound. I remember the smell of, talk to you about this, like aroma brings back like everything for me. It's like music in my mind. But the smell of the steering wheel uh, or the powder uh. like from lack thereof or whatever. Um, the, the vehicle itself, I don't remember looking at it. I could, obviously couldn't. I remember knowing the bu- the bumps on the freaking hill grass on the way up. I thought, there's got to be a better system to this for people like me. I think they have some like shock absorption, but everything is, has been in hyper-focused color. I mean... And, and so as they're cutting me out, actually, as they're pulling me out after I had to open up whatever part of this car I was in or portion, they said, this is going to hurt really bad, okay? This one's going to hurt really bad. Just hold on tight for us, okay? Are you ready? I'm like, oh, well, I mean, sure. And so the pain of that pales, all oh, that pales, physically pales in comparison to the soul fasting I wish I could do to get rid of this one. Yeah, so they met at the hospital. I had a surgery that I felt could have been expedited. I feel that everything... So you went to the hospital. Yeah. And, and you they took me... basically immediately into surgery. Back... Well, I... No. What I had thought and hoped is that they brought me all the way back to where I started instead of, and that was, I think, between, it was right between Charlotte, I mean, between Charlotte and Winston. And so we went, I went all the way back, which was quite a distance. And in the ambulance, I'm telling them, I am not, I, I'm really not feeling good. Like I need to have, I need something for nausea. I need something for pain. I cannot imagine. I didn't know what, it's still, I did not know what was wrong. I just couldn't feel my legs. I just didn't know even what that meant. Um, and they said, I'm sorry, we're just going to have to get you stable. we got to get you all the way there before we can. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is a long drive. The whole sunny ride back. And so I am in the hospital now in the ER. Um, and it is like people around me. It was like a movie. I mean, all these kind of things, cutting off clothes, which I know Dale says that he still has those clothes. I haven't seen them. Um, he, I think he doesn't, obviously, I don't know if I'll ever be able to watch that, but there was, I remember my feet having blood on them. And then when the ambulance opened, um, it was Dale and his son standing there, which now after, um, he's told me, Rena, he's like, I knew something was wrong when I'm watching them all around you and your feet weren't moving. Like you would think, you know, when you're in pain, something is going to like flinch. And he nothing. was, yeah, nothing. And so what they did was get the scans, all these things, which is um, valid. But I do realize that they should have, like, I should have been airlifted. I should have been like emergency rushed. But I think milliseconds matter. Now I know this and this injury I was, after a five-hour surgery, woke up very, again, with it and asked Dale, like, what happened? Like, what did they say? And they said that I had suffered a spinal cord injury, and it was not a severed spine, but it was extremely compressed. It looked like powder on a x-ray. I don't know if I've ever seen this. Um, And I, and they he told me the depths of what that meant and that they had rods and screws and that all been in there. And that, um, you know, I just knew first thing I actually asked him before that was, are they good to you out there? And he said, they're amazing, but that's not why I'm here. I really, really cannot tell you how. And that same day I looked around and I was like, oh my gosh, my brother's here my everyone's here and Dale like they're all in the same room oh my gosh and I thought and I said this out loud I mean so many times since then I said like that day I said if this is what it took like this is what it took 
then I can, I can live with that. So, yeah. Ugh, I love you so much on the show. I hate that. I hate it. I hate it. Because this is... Um, I didn't know that I would not have control of anything ever again. So, so far, below my, well, at the time, was my, like, waist down. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning, I had no, I had, I had a neurogenic bladder, neurogenic bowel. I had, um, I had no movement. So I have, like, I mean, there's, since then, has been zero movement. I would not be able to, um, all, everything stopped inside of me. Everything, everything stopped. And I thought that was it. But then, of course, it's gone up. So, so the paralysis has gone, has moved from the waist yeah. up to about mm-hmm. under your bra strap. Um, underarms, even underarms. And it's, it continued to go up um, after I came back from spinal cord rehab, which I was like, mm-hmm. okay, now i got to figure this out, which I was had the control and the, the, the use of my core. But um, then, yeah, no, I came home and went back to the ER one, like, couple, not even long after I'd been home, and I told Dale, like, as I was there, because we lived together, by the way, instantly, no, no, I moved in with him and this was our life now, um, that, that I had something called post-traumatic syrinx. And what is that? Um, syrinx is like a pocket on your spine. The best way to describe it in my mind would be sort of a mass or, or something where like if there's a stream and there's a, um, a rock that the water has to go around that to, it's like the spinal cord fluid has to travel along the path of this mass that's on my spinal cord. Mm. It can happen as a result of, it happens as a result of trauma to the spine. But also, as a surgeon told me when I happened to learn about what this was the night I was thinking I'm going to go to the ER and I'm being dramatic and I'm just going to go home. And he says, you're going to be here for a while. And by the way, this is the equivalent of being struck by lightning twice. Because you have that... The post-traumatic syrinx. The syrinx. Yeah, it's on a very yeah. So people don't that do, that's not common. Not common. So um, yeah, and then I was in the hospital about eight months out of what year was that year, last year, whatever, and then and then just came out of the hospital being there for like three months it's just a lot of hospitals yeah but anyway that was when everything in my life completely actually was okay like right out of the hospital like or like after, right, right after the accident after rehab like actually I got home and mm. it was hard it was definitely visually a blow right but I also had a lot of hope of the like they say within two, it takes about two years for spinal cord to really show the results of what your prognosis or what will be. Um, I didn't know that spinal cord injuries were this complex. I mm. mean, there's so many things that have stemmed from that, like the autonomic dysreflexia, which is basically the most severe form of, um, I'd say, discomfort for a spinal cord patient. And what is that? So, like, if you were sitting on a, say, stick, and how uncomfortable that would be, and your body would be like, oh, I'm sitting on a stick. I should move the stick. Um, uh, because I can't feel it. If it was something now as fine as a hair, a strand of hair, because mm-hmm. I can't feel it, my body is responding in a, a very visceral way. Like, you need, this needs to move, like, your body is basically responding to an external, external stimulus mm. and I didn't really believe that quite until I was in my first rehab and I was I think had a shirt on and that shirt had a tag the tag created such a discomfort that I um 
my blood pressure completely bottomed out and I had started first start off as nausea then I mean it's like instantly wow. very very serious so it can it can result in all kinds of very fatal sort of like circumstances but yeah um mm. so there's that and a lot of other things I had like problems like a kidney a lot of issues my kidneys catheters a lot of surgeries since then but I just am tired mostly yeah. Like physically, I think I'm just tired. <laughs> like my body sort of fast forwarded time mm. and my mind is vibrantly 42, sharp. like stupid sharp. My memory is, oh, I mean, like, I mean, it's too I much. have a friend that has a memory like yours. I think he is a little bit like, what is that called? Like, uh photographic type memory right yes like yes oh. and um did not used to have this you didn't you said not this okay. way no. and now he he's always had it and he says something that you say like there are things that you can't forget unsee you can't unsee Unhear. you can't unremember i wish sometimes i do feel like i'm not i mean it sounds terrible i used to be so so terrified of having like alzheimer's or losing my memory that i would write and like obsessively write. I, I mean, I would journal and think one day I'm going to want to go back to this day. I used to do that because of that. I have years of journals and now I've written maybe two pages since the injury. Mm. But I don't want to remember a lot of things. <laughs> I really wish I could unremember things because this is this has come with like beauty and cost. I don't know. That's an interesting thing to me, the beauty piece. Mm-mm-mm. Can you tell us a little bit about the beauty that's come? Well, yeah, I can. Um, first of all, I'm super hot. <laughs> you are. So beautiful. Oh, my, oh, my legs. <laughs> um, no, but you are beautiful. No, stop, well. You know, I feel that I have at times during this process tried to reinvent my beauty. Um, interesting you ask that. I really do. I mean, I say, well, forget COVID. I mean, I'm still going to focus on my lashes. Eyes, are, oh, eyes yes. are so important. Oh, my God. By the way, COVID, um, even though, sadly, has been very, very equally catastrophic, this is not a good time to have a spinal cord injury, mind you, because now you're just like, next. I mean, not quite the priority, and that's okay, because there's a lot of things that are happening out there that are so much worse than this, and I know this. But it makes it difficult for you to get the care that you need. Mm, yeah, because in, in an already, like, mediocre moment of what I've experienced with how many complications I have literally, like, had one after another, um, I don't feel like it's quite as necessary to be a – be no one's studying up on autonomic dysreflexia. Right. Let's just say that. Um, it's hard to find any help here as far as, like, helping you get to your – eyelash serum or (laughs) mascara or just toothbrush sometimes I'm just finding myself trying to hold on to the beauty of things as much as I can in the moments I feel them well I want to share with folks a little bit about what you and I are hoping to do in some future episodes okay so you want to tell a bigger story yeah well, I think there's a story to tell for people that might help someone like me in the future because it's it's not necessarily that I have so much I'm all that it's not about necessarily me as much as I think wow, how nice would it be to see this on TV, to see someone that would give me like if I had any idea that when I woke up without a choice that this would be my life from a woman that was like, you always, always, always shave your underarms. <laughs> Do not leave the house without shaving your underarms. That woman to like being able to and having to adjust and settle and prepare for how much disappointment that had nothing to do with your injury would be. Mm. I would love that. And I do feel like that would be a bigger purpose and why I am this way. What happened to me? What power meaning? So you and I plan on doing a little mini series. So there'll be future episodes to come and with Rena. 
And one of the things that I would love folks to do is to shoot me an email and let me know what they loved about this episode. Tell Rena and I what you are loving about this episode and what you want to know more about. Okay. What else do you want folks to ask us? I love that. I like that idea. Okay. Okay. Well, then I'll see you here. (laughs) Well, Rena, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Alicia, you're like magic in my heart. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to see the beautiful classical Indian dance Rena performed for her brother's wedding, you can find a link to it in our show notes. Rena and I would love to hear what questions you have for her, so please shoot me an email and ask away. And of course, you help us every time we get a review. So head over to iTunes, fill in some stars, and let us know what you think of our show. It takes about five minutes and it would mean the world. A huge thank you to our sponsor, Fiken Co. Thank you to Iris Sterling of Julia Sound Recording for our theme music. And thank you to my editor, Tumani Johnson of FX Media for his work on today's show. Remember, every one of us has wisdom within. Keep sharing your words of wisdom because you never know who you'll inspire.